Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Not Just New Movies podcast, the show where we review a seemingly random film currently not in theaters. My name is Ben Pearson, and today we're going to be talking about Wes Craven's 1995 film Vampire in Brooklyn. Joining me is my regular co-host, Tyler. Tyler, how's it going, man? Uh, happy October. Yeah, well, man, Halloween's in full swing. Got a couple of trick-or-treaters outside, perhaps, although it's very early. Um, very early. First week of October. <laughs> Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I can't believe this is a Wes Craven film. And uh, that's about it for me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll see you guys next month. Get that and... <laughs> pneumatic movie tube going. Yeah. Geez. So if you guys are just joining us for the first time, uh, welcome. This is episode, I think, 104. We recorded the first uh, 100 episodes over a two-year span from 2010 to 2012. You mm-hmm. can find all of those back episodes at not just new movie. Or I'm sorry, at njnmpodcast.blogspot.com. Uh, we are now a monthly show. And and uh, you at know, podtyrant.com. Yeah, you can track us down at podtyrant. Uh, that's where you'll find the new episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Great episodes, by the way. Uh, congratulations. I'm a little, I'm a little biased. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're sort of uh, open to format suggestions and all sorts of mm-hmm. uh, feedback and things like that. So you guys can uh, leave us a voicemail at 904-469-6566. That's 469-NJNM. Mm-hmm. Or email us at notjustnewmovies at gmail.com. Uh, we will read your uh, correspondence online mm-hmm. on the on the show, on the air, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, we're basically going to start this episode with a, a quick section in which I'll mention a few new movies coming out this month, and then we'll move on into our review and finish up with uh, listener voicemails and emails, which I don't know if we have any. We'll find yeah. out. That'll be a fun game later on. Uh, ben, are so, you talking about just new movies? Yeah, so that's the thing is, like, <laughs> I was talking about, I was talking to you about this months ago when we sort of restarted this whole thing, and I was like, is the Not Just New Movies podcast um, accurately named? Because... Mm-hmm do we actually ever talk about new movies? Because there's a whole thing about it being like, well, not just new movies. We talk right. about old movies, but right. that would imply that we also have to talk about new movies yeah. to some degree. Sometimes. I don't know if we ever really did that too much in the, the original uh, 100 plus episodes of the show. I, I feel like um, things like, uh, what was that? Machete and Hobo with a Shotgun were pretty new at the time. Yeah, that's true. So maybe like a year was the was the limit. And, and we did have we used to have like a media consumed section where mm-hmm. we talk about stuff that we'd been watching yeah. that particular week. Um, but exactly. because we're a monthly show now, that would be way too much content. This whole yeah. show, this uh, episode, would last like three hours if we just listed all the stuff that we watched over the course of a month. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we I guess we covered some old stuff in there anyway. So um, so coming up uh, this month in the month of October, we have the Birth of a Nation, uh, not a uh, re-release of the oh, DW. Okay. Movie. <laughs> Uh, I was about to say, I was starting to sweat for a little bit. This one looks really good. Okay. Uh, Nate Parker wrote, directed. It's like a big passion project of his. Um, the Girl on the Train, which I read the book of that. Emily Blunt stars in it. It's like a sort of a gone girl. It's being marketed in any way as like this year's gone girl, sort of a, a Hitchcockian thriller. That one looks pretty good. Uh, the Accountant with Ben Affleck looks awful i think uh he's like a cia agent who is also an accountant or something okay uh dude uh, schwarzenegger had that in true lies what are you talking about what are you doing you can't do that affleck get out of here yeah. uh jack reacher never go back the sequel mm-hmm. with, uh, never Cruise reach on. back yeah i don't really know why they decided that this was the franchise that needed to keep going yeah but sure mission impossible six reacher. let's do it yeah exactly uh just go from one right into the next on those uh ouija origin of evil like ouija board i guess there's mm-hmm. a sequel yep. for that coming out um oh, that movie was terrible i didn't even make it through the all, all the way through i had to stop watching it and then read the wikipedia article just to see what happened and it was oops. just beyond boring so i glad I they made watched, a second one yeah i watched the trailer for the first one and was like i will never ever watch this it looks so bad but this i saw the trailer for the new one and it actually looks like a decent horror movie so i don't know maybe you would uh you would benefit from a deep dive into the Ouija verse if yeah. you're if you're looking to uh, to bounce back from the the uh, sting of the first movie. So, so many universes in the Ouija verse. Oh yeah, um, a monster calls, which looks sort of like this month's BFG, uh, mm-hmm. and then Inferno on October. 
October 28th. You know, Tyler, the that old Halloween stalwart, yeah. Tom Hanks, <laughs> up on, on October 28th this year. Yeah. Uh, another Dan Brown, Ron Howard, Da right. Vinci Code sequel. So yep, we'll all be clamoring for it. Perfectly appropriate for that release date. Mm-hmm. So uh, Is yeah, that an unlucky date for some reason? I don't know. It just, just seems oh. like it seems like you know put Ouija Origin of Evil out on that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Feel like the you know the, get the give the horror people some respect in this. Right. Month. Exactly. So, that makes sense. Anyway, uh, that's what we got coming out in October. So um, unless uh, you have anything else, uh, any other nah. non? Okay. Well, so let's just Definitely jump right not. in to our review of Vampire in Brooklyn. The world's last vampire is about to encounter something infinitely more terrifying than himself. Brooklyn. Interesting. I've been stabbed and I've been hanged. Even broken on the rack once, but I've never been shot before. It kind of itches a little. Paramount Pictures presents. If you're hungry, I'll run you down to KFC down the street and hit you off with a two-piece. I already had Italian. So, Vampire in Brooklyn came out in 1995, uh, directed by Wes Craven, of all people, as you Mm -hmm. alluded to at the start of the show. Certainly does not feel like any Wes Craven movie I've ever seen. Uh, Starring Eddie Murphy and uh who else angela bassett alan payne kadeem hardison john witherspoon a couple other people and then eddie murphy two more times yeah because of course he could not help himself <laughs> and he had to play multiple roles in this movie so i, I feel like uh, this is the birth of the multiple eddie murphy role genre of films but i'm not sure well i think this was a year before um Night the nutty professor, professor and that was the big one yeah. uh so mm. you could be right. I'm not sure. I haven't. I have not um, done a. I'm not a completionist when it comes to Eddie right. Murphy's filmography. So I have not gone through and checked to see if anything he did maybe in like the earlier '90s was like a. I don't know. Did he do? Did he play multiple roles in like, um, uh, Trading Places or any of those? Uh, I don't believe so. Any of those comedies? He switched he places. He traded coming, places. Coming to America. I don't know. I feel like that he did play multiple characters. I believe in uh, Coming to America. I think he played the barber. Okay. I oh yeah, say. yeah. There was a whole barber scene. I yeah. think where he played, like everyone in the barber shop. Maybe I could be misremembering yeah. that. But all right. Well, write us in, listener. When did Eddie Murphy go widely off the rails and start yeah. dressing up in prosthetic skin yes, and would... such? <laughs> I would love to hear it's that. So before uh, before we dive into the actual content in this movie it's worth noting that this was written by uh charlie murphy his <laughs> brother uh and are you talking about darkness was, i am talking talking about darkness as uh as referenced in the Chappelle show um and actually appeared in the Chappelle show so mm-hmm. uh yeah eddie came up with a story with charlie yep. and some other guy that is not important and then right. a couple other people charlie wrote the screenplay and then a couple other guys were brought on to sort of rewrite the screenplay yeah, yeah. apparently this movie super super contentious behind the scenes a lot of trouble really? which you but once you see the movie it's pretty obvious that yeah. there's a lot of crazy stuff going on here and a lot of um sort of disjointed opinions coming together mm-hmm. uh there is a really great oral history of the movie that wow. you can find at hopesandfears.com just okay. type in vampire in brooklyn oral history i'm sure you'll find it uh eddie would apparently just stay in his trailer for hours on end to screw with the people at paramount he was at like a giant like a like a fu portion of his career where he had i think three movies on his contract with paramount and this was the last one before he moved on to nutty professor and so he just like apparently didn't give a shit about this movie at all right Uh, he the the new screenwriters that came in said that uh paramount told them hey we want this movie to be funny and eddie murphy refuses to be funny in it so your job is to trick him into being funny so that sounds like uh, a really tough position to be put in uh and it's sort of obvious in this movie that uh that eddie murphy had no interest in playing it as a comedy because he pretty much plays the whole thing straight i know Uh, that that was very bizarre watching this so yeah what did you think about this movie Tyler, just sort of general uh, general thoughts first. I, I, I thought it was pretty funny considering it was a Wes Craven film. When I saw that, I was like, this is very interesting. Wes Craven coming probably off the tail, of, well, I guess a few years maybe, of A New Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Wes Craven kind of a horror. Didn't he do Scream too? Yeah, the year not after Scream too, but Scream well, the first yeah. one. Scream as well. Yeah, the um, year after this, he did Scream. So you know, you're kind of thinking about, I don't know, Nightmare on Elm Street, that kind of stuff. But then it's Eddie Murphy, and you're like, okay, it, it'll probably be funny. But like you just said, he plays the vampire role like super serious, as if it's significantly scary. And and then like even the like when he turns full vampire or whatever at the, mm-hmm. towards the very end, like kind of a gothic looking vampire, like not goofy at all. Uh, but then there's so many goofy parts in this movie. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just incredible that, and then I ended up liking it because it kind of did it pretty well, but uh, it did feel like it was a mess. I was kind of saying to myself the whole time, I'm surprised Eddie Murphy even like had another director do this movie considering he's very i always feel like he's very hands-on like he wants to do his movie his way mm-hmm. and anyone else was it like steps on his feet he's like completely shutting them down but yeah. i would imagine like they get like a no-name person like tobe hooper for spielberg's <laughs> puppet like someone else but Wes craven's a huge name so i was like man there's got to have been some disagreements about what direction this film should go in and Eddie Murphy, probably Charlie Murphy, trying to make it a comedy, while Wes Craven trying to be like, oh, I kind of want to make it scary, too. Um, yeah, and so, then, yeah, it's so strange it's the way that this to movie... Watch. Yeah, the way that it came together. I gotta say, I was not a fan of this movie. Oh, okay. Um, I, was, uh, I, I was just like, this whole thing feels like it feels very written. It feels like a, an SNL sketch gone bad or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just feels like, you know, sometimes you're watching a movie and you get you get swept away in it um, to the point where you sort of forget that um, that there were a bunch of people who got together and talked about the story and sort of like physically went through the motions of writing it and putting all the stuff together and you're, you know, that's what movies are supposed to do really, like ideally, they, they transport you to another world. Right. I was never transported in this movie and I think really? a large, large largely because uh, it looked like it was shot on the same corner of the same back lot like every <laughs> single exterior shot looked like it was in the same part of the city yeah uh, and i found out in that oral history that i read after watching this movie that they actually only shot for one day in new york and then oh, everything wow. else was shot on the paramount back lot okay so, that's still um, pretty cool so yeah it's sort of you know and and there's also like it's not just that you know f- um, movies um that are well written can have the crappiest like look at the original star trek for example like mm-hmm. the uh the tv series like that that show did not have uh, a huge budget they were extremely limited with what they had and right. they were able to use that those limits to uh you know become inspired creatively and like work around them and still the writing was so good that you were able to um you know look past the fact that they were just holding up sheets of multicolored uh, you know, plastic yeah. over the lights to turn the whole thing red or whatever to be like an alien planet, and you, you were sort of aware of that, but it didn't matter because the story was so good. For me, Vampire in Brooklyn was one of those situations where every single thing about it, I was just like, "This feels <laughs> wrong." <laughs> like everything feels like, um, like uh, it's being put together right before they start rolling. Yeah. So I don't know. There was uh, the jokes were. I don't know. It, it was I don't so know weird. If they were really it. jokes. Yeah, it was so weird to watch an Eddie Murphy movie that was ostensibly it was marketed as a comedy, and I guess that's mm-hmm. what Paramount wanted. But there just it just wasn't. He wasn't funny in it no. at all. No. Um, and there was just, great comedic relief. I'll, I'll give it to the old man and the the hearse driver. Yeah, Silas the zombie. And Julius, the, um, uh, the uncle and and nephew who were. Uh, yeah, I mean, those they guys were, okay, were so, pretty funny. So let's just run through this. So okay. uh, the movie starts with Eddie Murphy and an opening narration, which is always a bad sign. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, you terrible. Start with start with opening narration. So he's the only survivor of uh, this vampire clan from the Caribbean, and he has to find the offspring of his tribe that is in Brooklyn. It's uh, like a half vampire, half human woman. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. Angela Bassett. She plays a cop. Uh, a la Twilight. is a night person, but never... And has never broken a bone or gotten a cold. Yeah. So she... <laughs> a la has, Unbreakable. Yeah, exactly. She has no... Um, no sense that she has any sort of vampiric tendencies. Yes. Uh, Which is kind of cool. Kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, she, she doesn't really have, like... Um, 
withheld superpowers or anything like that. It's just yeah. mostly she's mostly human, uh, <laughs> almost all human. So uh, that's my that's my new wave band, mostly human. <laughs> almost all human is your is when you break up and then form another like a super group, <laughs> like a Voltron human. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Eddie Murphy's character crashes through the harbor, Brooklyn Harbor, yep. uh, in this <laughs> giant. Act old boat where he's killed the entire crew uh-huh. and drained all of their blood yep. he is just roaming the decks of the ship as a wolf uh, because in this version of the movie vampires uh, uh, I guess um, you know th- there's all sorts of different vampiric yeah, yeah, yeah. Throughout. I, b- I believe the Bram Stoker version does have Dracula change into creatures of the night like wolves and bats and things I think he's a uh, shapeshifter of sorts yeah. Yeah. So, so it's not too far off Right, and this movie sort of adopts that mythology. So he is roaming around as a wolf, uh, mm-hmm. and then he crashes through uh, as these two guys, Julius and uh, and Silas, are watching Family Feud. Uh, <laughs> Julius scene. runs away, and Silas, the old uh, sort of grizzled, seen it all. Yeah, uh, the dad from the uh, Wayans Brothers. <laughs> basically, he. Uh, no, it's true. He's, he was on the show. Oh, he's actually that guy. Okay, he was well, the dad from the Wayans Brothers television show. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a funny so, guy. Funny guy. Yeah, he's you know he his his apartment is like completely destroyed, mm-hmm. uh, but he just decides to go onto the boat and he's like, "Ahoy, motherfucker!" Like all these, <laughs> you know, he's he has a series of he's he almost exclusively speaks in one liners basically. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's like it's fine. It's a little cheesy. It's a little stereotypical, but it's like you know, it's, it's Brooklyn, it's, baby. It seems like a very appropriate for what pop culture how pop culture represented the uh you know like stereotypical urbanized audience Black in culture. 1995 like yeah it's like you can you can sense and that's another part of it too it's like you can sort of sense the the suits as it were it, at paramount being like oh we got to make this more urban just throw in a couple jokes here and there mm-hmm. like you know you guys just do your thing and it, it feels very very like patronizing yeah, yeah, at yeah. points but um but you know the those guys, the performers, sort of make the best with what they have, and they're able right, to right. to sort of pull out a few funny moments of it here and there. Uh, so the wolf turns into a vampire. Julius uh, is dumped and chased into an alleyway, um, and uh, he let's see he this is where he first encounters uh, Maximilian, who is Eddie Murphy's character. Yeah, um, he's chased into an alleyway by these guys that he owes money to these Italian mobsters. Yeah. Uh, and then, so they shoot Eddie Murphy in the chest <laughs> as he sort of emerges from the smoke. And then they basically, he, he just eats them, I guess, both of them. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and he drops these ridiculous one-liners too, like put a little heart into it yep. as he reaches into the guy's rib cage. And couldn't have done better myself. His heart. Uh, yeah, it's it's very Schwarzenegger-esque in that way. Um, so uh, Max turns Julius into his ghoul, his mm-hmm. manservant, basically. Yes. Um, Which is terrible because he starts to uh, disseminate or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, like decompose. decompose yeah. He, is, while uh, he, loses, he loses an ear almost instantly. Yep. Uh, he sort of... Um, All the yeah, while Max, dropping one-liners. Yeah, and... and very much being like a um <laughs> like a sassy sidekick kind of character and my uh, favorite scene from the movie when his arm falls off and he goes oh man maximilian's taking care of me and the old man's like taking care of you your, your fucking arm fell off <laughs> you call this you call this taking care of you motherfucker yeah and it was just a, like and it was a pivotal like climactic scene too and the camera just stays on these guys arguing back and forth about whether maximilian is a caretaker or not and he's yeah. like shaking his decrepit uh arm in yeah. the air so it, so it was pretty he, funny he needs julius max needs julius to carry his coffin around mm-hmm. i guess to move mm-hmm. him in he, he moves into max or julius's crappy apartment needs the soil actually, of his homeland yeah which actually looks Th- that apartment is pretty big for a New York apartment in 1995. Mm. Uh, but I think but he uses anyway. magic, doesn't he? Well, yeah. Later in the movie, he sort of transforms the interior into like this Wayne Manor looking. Right. <laughs> where everything's all classy looking. And uh, and yeah, so we'll get to that. But um, so I, almost right off the bat, I had a, a bunch of questions about this because okay. Max is like, as I've come to her, she'll come to me like a moth mm. to a flame. Talking yeah. about... Um, Rita, who is uh, Angela Bassett's character. So, 
he's come to her, but she'll come to him like a moth to a flame. Why does he even need Julius if if Rita is going to be drawn to him? Why doesn't it's a technicality, he just Ben? Technicality. Sort of, yeah, I guess he, so. He needs somebody to uh, roam the streets while he's, I guess, during the day, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's right. So I do remember him saying, like, I need somebody to do reconnaissance for me. Yeah. Uh, while I. But they don't really go into that, and they almost never show yeah. the daytime in this entire movie because it's not like you ever get a scene of Max like going into his coffin and being like, "All right, I'll see you in twelve hours," and then <laughs> Julius like doing stuff on his own, and then he comes back. It's just like the movie progresses from there normally, and yeah, Max is just like wandering the streets for the entire movie, and there's, right. so there's no real need for Julius to be involved. Uh, but anyway. Um, Comedic so relief, cops, I suppose. The, the cops show up at the docks. Uh, Rita is a police officer whose mother has gone crazy. Mm-hmm. As we are uh, introduced to... Well, she, she sort of goes and looks for the... Searches the boat looking for whatever it is she's looking for. Uh, the cop, the police chief and her partner, who is, whose name is Justice, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. Uh, Justice. I mean, how, how much... Justice Law. <laughs> How much more, yeah, on the nose do you need to be with a cop character whose first name is Justice? Yeah. At uh, least when I did a cop drama comic book, the main or the main cop's name was Jerry Justice. At least I made him, I made it his last name, <laughs> not his first name. Yeah, so that was pretty on the nose. But uh-huh. uh, Justice and the police chief uh, <laughs> are are standing there talking to each other, and uh, the chief is like, "How's she doing?" and or yeah and he's like you know she's doing pretty well and then he's like the chief is like i know she's had a rough time with her mom dying in the nut house and everything it's yeah. the kind of like awkward exposition that both of those characters already know about right. her mom but they have to say it out loud because exactly. the audience needs to know that information right uh there's a lot of that kind of writing in this movie where it just seems like um unnatural with the delivery because we need to know something mm-hmm. but uh so yes. you know Already, we're like ten minutes into the movie, and I'm already like, "Oof, man, this is getting this is gonna be rough. This is gonna be a rough ride." I'm saddling up for this one. I feel like uh, we we uh, I, I I tagged along pretty well in this movie. I thought that it it had a certain '90s vibe to it. Uh, I felt like it was a little bit like The Shadow, where it was kind of dark and shadowy. Uh, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a weird filter on the film. Uh, a a kind of nuanced new york that kind of thing okay so i thought it was fairly fairly kitschy so i was i mean i knew it was going to be kind of weird because it's eddie murphy as a vampire directed by wes craven so i was like (laughs) this is a train wreck just from the the, (laughs) looking at the dvd cover yeah the Um, premise and the post yeah (laughs) i you know i never watched a trailer before and i never saw anything before i just hit play on this yeah so uh i i had no idea what to expect i was actually expecting it to be way scarier than it was just because of the premise and the director come on dude it's it's eddie murphy yeah, I don't know, and and I guess if you he, want scary, watch the Haunted Mansion or uh, Pluto Nash or something like that. Yeah, I guess he looked at this as like the potential for like a breakout dramatic performance, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Nobody else in the movie was acting that no. way, and he was just in a completely different film than everybody else. So, uh, so yeah, some, let's see some weird points, uh, like Matt, the like the roommate, um, yeah. Rita's mm-hmm. roommate, who's just like walking the sidewalk looking for something to hump yeah and she's like oh how about you and he's like okay it's because she tries to hit on justice and justice like yeah no back off it gets in his uh justice mobile and drives off yeah so that that happens a little bit later on and there's like a that whole thing is like a sitcom level misunderstanding (laughs) of what's going on it's very it's like you know it's introduced it's resolved fairly quickly Mm -hmm. but there are still um, you know, uh, trailing resentments and things from different characters because right. the truth hasn't been fully revealed about it. Yeah, but it's yeah, like yeah. it's such a, a cheesy, um, you know, fake love triangle. And and Max is like really trying to seduce um, Rita at this right. point. And Justice is like the you know he's her the cop partner. He's like the uh, the clear hero love interest uh, kind of guy. And Max is like this devilish you know rogue kind of yeah. uh womanizing character so it's they they have this uh natural 
um, battle over Rita, but it's it's I don't know, the whole thing. It's just like the... Jesus. This whole thing just seems like a uh, like a bad episode of Family Matters yeah. or something. He's the uh, stabler to her, Olivia Benson, for all you Law and Order SVU fans out there. Okay, all right, yeah, there yeah. There go. was a there was a lot of melodrama mixed in with this, and it it did get super cheesy. Like I, I felt like there were three different themes. There was the comedy. There was the melodrama between her and Justice. Mm-hmm. Rita and Justice, and then I guess Justice in general, um, and then like the horror that was supposed to be there but wasn't really because, as you'll probably get to in the middle of the film, um, <laughs> Maximilian becomes a character actor midway through the movie, and you're like, yes. this guy's not even scary anymore. <laughs> he's yeah. taken on a clump. He's taken on the form of a clump, and uh, <laughs> it's just it doesn't make sense anymore. Like if he had gotten, I don't know. I don't know. I just I, Charlie Murphy to have been the clump character, then it would have yep. made a little bit of sense. But yeah, he broke the spell that uh, he was trying to cast at the beginning of the film as a scary yeah. super bean, and it, the spell was broken right away. Yeah. So uh, he let's see. So uh, Max moves into uh, uh, Julius's apartment mm-hmm. and throws a bag of gold coins at Silas, yeah. who. Ex- accepts them without question he's like don't do anything illegal (laughs) yeah uh and then you know they move uh what's his name julius moves max's coffin into his crappy apartment and he's like complimenting the coffin and talking about how you know he's got to move it in different areas and like it's adorned with all of these crazy um marks and everything and at one point he's like you gonna he's talking about like you got to get a futon because have you ever heard of a futon? They're way more comfortable. Um, you know, they're better for your back than sleeping in this thing or whatever. And he's like, he's like, he jumps up and sits on the, on the coffin. And he's like, you're going to scratch your ass fucking on this thing. Like <laughs> implying the people that Eddie Murphy just screws women on top of his coffin, uh, which is pretty great. But it yeah, that's sense. one of those little lines that, um, that I thought worked really well in context. I'm sure I'm not doing it justice. Oh, justice, justice, justice. Um, so, uh, justice, justice, law. Yeah, there's so you know we're treated uh, like sort of woven through this story is um, this subplot about Rita's mom who is a or was who died in the nut house. She was uh, a world renowned um, Caribbean uh, supernatural powers. Uh, expert, uh-huh. and there's of course this, at a one point, very very hard doctorate to get at a university. <laughs> yes, uh, at one point Rita actually like holds her obituary up and <laughs> and looks at it because that's a normal thing that people do when they're thinking about their dead parents. Uh, Constantly I actually trying pa- to remind us that she had a loved one that has died. <laughs> yeah, I paused on that and read the obituary. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> it does not have a name on it. <laughs> it's just not. It's like. Uh, you know, famed uh, supernatural powers expert dies mysteriously yeah. in whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, some people say that she was the best in the world at blah, blah. It's like the oh. worst written thing. I, I encourage anyone, if you watch this, to pause on that scene and read this thing <laughs> because they put zero thought into it. Uh, kind of like the whole rest of the movie. So the Ayo. narration returns sporadically throughout the film i love this because i was thinking okay you'll get it in the very beginning maybe maybe at the very end and that's about it but no it it pops up a couple different times and at one point eddie murphy's character uh tells the audience things were progressing well (laughs) just like (laughs) no you can't stop your own movie and tell us that the movie is going well that's a a classic case of you need to show don't tell the citizens of brooklyn were enjoying the 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 story that was unfolding before them yeah it was uh it's pretty bad that happens a few times. Uh, so Mac, or I'm sorry, Julius starts uh, losing body parts. He lost mm-hmm. an ear pretty quickly. He yep. loses his hand and replaces it with a uh, a yep. mannequin's hand. Yep. Uh, he salutes with that quite often, yeah, which makes and, me laugh. And he's able to drive with it, which is you know good for him. Peace out, uh, motherfucker. So Max talks about how he needs one dance with Rita to mm, just uh, one to seduce her properly. Um, and uh, Julius uh, screws up uh, Max's dance plan because Max meets her in this uh, this club. I yeah. forget what it's called. Dr. Something. Dr. Zakos or something yes, like that. Yes, that's right. Because um, they're talking to the, the voodoo doctor or whatever, the Caribbean doctor about vampires. Yeah. 
so they think that it's an that they're going to see an actual doctor and then they realize that it's like a funk dance club and they're mm-hmm. like oh this place looks funky or whatever yeah. and they go in there and like <laughs> ub40 is, is doing a cover of very superstition of stevie uh-huh. wonder's superstition and then so you're like oh what the hell are they gonna do here and then they actually do meet a doctor who knows all about caribbean lore and vampire yeah. stuff and he just happens to own the place and whatever don't question it that's what this movie is all about um super it's just a way to keep the story moving yeah so there's backstory with him where like he fought um a vampire for uh, he was in love with rita's mother and he fought a vampire and got this big scratch on his face but he managed to survive and get away so he is like the the one guy who has encountered these things and lived and he like later on becomes important because he gives uh he gives justice a blade to kill um to kill oh, Wesley Snipes I'm your blade <laughs> that would be awesome um motherfucker so, I will kill you so yeah you mentioned the roommate Nikki so they go back to uh the they go back to Rita's place and uh Justice is there she's hitting on Justice like crazy mm-hmm. he says no I don't want any part of this he ends up leaving uh because I should say Justice is in love with Rita and mm, so yeah, they are and Rita sort of has a thing for him too, but it's like an unspoken thing. Nobody right. said anything about it. Right. Um, it's a violation so of NYPD gets... policy. <laughs> Probably. So uh, what's his name? Max, uh, Eddie Murphy's Max, shows up in the middle of the road uh, once Justice has been, uh, once Sheriff. Justice <laughs> once Justice left and Rita <laughs> is just standing there. And then he proceeds to basically screw her to death in uh-huh. the next room. Yeah. Uh, so much so that blood pours through the people, <laughs> which he must have like yeah. put a bunch of towels and shirts under the door so right. all the blood didn't go through there. And, and that is then... so much blood. <laughs> that is so much blood, Tyler, for an entire room to fill halfway up so, right. the door, so that blood is pouring through the key. that is insane he probably had to like bring in just garbage bag after garbage bag of like blood from the (laughs) from the blood bank just to make his point that she was enjoying his time or her to enjoying her time with him yeah and she's like screaming his name rita thinks that uh that nikki is sleeping with justice and she Mm, gets all flustered and jealous about that that's your sitcom Uh, your sitcom situation the sitcom scenario and then so Max is basically, he spends half the movie really going through his sort of dentist system handbook of yeah. how to manipulate <laughs> yeah. women. It's um, very dentist system. Yeah. and he, <laughs> I, I mention her mom, and then I let her cry on my shoulder, but then I disappear. Yeah, there there is a part near the end where he... Uh, so there are a couple, like, sort of um, almost like romantic comedy elements in this where he encounters Rita meets her for the first time starts to try to seduce her but julius comes in and screws it up so mm-hmm. rita gets pissed at him and then later on he like saves rita from a car that uh, uh from a cab that almost runs her over which i they don't reveal but i'm pretty sure julius was driving that because yeah. what are the odds that right he wasn't there's only five people in brooklyn exactly and then uh and then yeah like so he saves her and then she's like okay yeah i'll go on a date with you and then he you know his dentist system sort of scenario is like I'm going to claim that I have everything in common with you and (laughs) she just doesn't catch on that anything is weird about that he you know talks about her favorite pasta her favorite artist he's got like he learns all the stuff about her and then is just like oh yeah that happens to be my favorite as well yeah, and she's just like oh my god oh you like water (laughs) oh water is delicious It's, it's like you're a police officer. Do you not sense anything suspicious about any of this? Yeah. This guy that you don't know who's sketchy as hell, but okay, sure, yeah, go for it. Now, so. to be fair, Ben, he did claim at the beginning of the film that he could just get her. He could win her over just by talking to her or by dancing with her or something. Yeah, I don't one know, dance. bullshit. That's all he needed. But, uh, you know, vampires have that casting ability that can uh, put a little spell on you. Yeah. So maybe he was uh, he was the dentist system creator like he had an unfair advantage because of his vampire blood so uh which yeah. makes the dentist system in the it's always sunny in philadelphia verse it makes dennis all the more powerful because he's just a plain old human using the dentist or, system to his advantage or he's a secret vampire oh, cracked wide open <laughs> justice so, we need you so uh in, in the first of uh two other 
um, side roles that Eddie Murphy plays. He mm-hmm. he takes on the identity of Preacher Polly, yep. an alcoholic uh, sermon uh, or uh, preacher, uh, a preacher who uh, delivers a sermon outside because he cannot be near the crosses mm-hmm. inside the church. Makes sense. Uh, Absolutely. He, I, he, I think he kills Polly and then takes on his yeah. uh, his skin basically. Of course. Uh, which As is, vampires yeah, very, do, which is, I very, think, a new vampire power because I've never heard of the completely replace a person. Right. Yeah, and it's very, as you said, clump esque, where he's sort of <laughs> like plump and uh, and yeah, he's just like you know going crazy and and very like um, stereotypical black pastor, but in the worst kind of way. Right. Uh, and he's giving this speech about how evil is good and trying to convince people that. Uh, <laughs> that doing bad things is necessary because of the duality of the world. And yeah. like, you know, you need bad things for good things to be done. Yeah. It was uh, very it's, Zoroastrian. It's a nonsensical ar- argument that, uh, I'm surprised these people didn't walk away from instantly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he, uh, he tries to, uh, screw up. He's, he's always trying to weasel his way in between justice and Rita and, and sort of, uh, you know, screw things up for them uh, in order to seduce her for himself because it's really unclear why he has to find her in the first place. He's just like, I'm the only survivor. I have to mm-hmm. find her. Yep. But it's not like I'm going to die if I don't find her. It's right. not like there, there's no real pressing reason that we're given that Pro- this has to happen. I just assume procreation. Yeah, I Continue guess. the family line. I guess, yeah. I guess because he's the last... Uh, the last vampire maybe mm. um that would have been a great title for this movie so the last vampire in brooklyn so uh Ooh, possible then sequel. eddie murphy becomes guido the uh the white uh italian yeah. um uh, like pesci yeah basically uh he's like a he's like a gopher for the the mob <laughs> which i gotta say he disappeared into that one like you could barely tell that was I mean, his, for what it was, you could barely tell it was him. Voice was really good. The makeup was terrible. Okay. It's like him playing a white guy, and Agreed. it looks like Dave Chappelle playing a white guy. Like, uh, and I think Eddie Murphy actually did that in SNL, like when he was on back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, he dressed up, he did like a full um, white person uh, costume and went out and did like man on the street interviews with people. <laughs> uh, I think. I'm pretty sure that happened. Uh, so, yeah, he's like you know excuse the grabbing and he's like always grabbing his crotch and then he tries to rob the italian restaurant that the mobsters are at it's this yeah. whole nonsensical scene it's really yeah. really ridiculous um also doesn't matter so yeah there's like a shootout uh or or i guess he he comes in and yeah tries to rob and rob the place with the cops in there mm-hmm. and then rita and justice uh turn the tables on him they take him to the uh police station where justice reveals his feelings for Rita with mm-hmm. Guido sitting a foot away yeah. uh, which seems like a really poor choice of uh, timing of where and when to unload these uh, these deep feelings that he has sure. um, there is chaos at the police station because he uses his vampire knowledge and powers to convince a woman to try to stab a cop mm-hmm. It's it's really just like Unbelievable in the middle portion of this movie, the, yeah. the crazy stuff that they think they can get away with. Um, so then, how long was this movie again? You know God, it's like six hours. Uh, no, it's not. It's uh, <laughs> it is. If it's ninety minutes exactly, then I'll give it to them. They fill in the time with. It's a hundred hundred and two minutes. Oh God! So twelve yeah. minutes you could have included actual content. Yeah, so they, uh, so they, there's a dance. There's like Eddie Murphy has this obsession with reggae in real life because he's actually part of like a reggae band or he's mm-hmm. released like a reggae album. So, yeah. um, all I want yeah. is uh, My Girl Wants to Party All the Time. That's the only song I want to hear him sing. <laughs> so, uh, great song. So he sort of seduces, he ends up seducing Rita. Um, what's his name? Justice comes over to, uh, Julius's place to try to find her and Silas is, at, Silas is out on the front porch and he really rubs it in about yeah. how uh, how like, yeah. she she left <laughs> but she was bow-legged because Eddie Murphy screwed her so hard like yeah. he just really is like heartless about the whole right. thing he's, it's clear that Justice is into her and he's like oh man they didn't get any sleep last night blah yeah. blah blah you know just like every line in the book you can think of um 
really, yeah, just pounding at home. Uh, so Hey-o. she hooks up with Justice almost immediately and then sees her reflection disappear and mm-hmm. starts to freak out. She runs to the roof. Uh, Max tempts her there uh, with, like, the, you know, your your crappy little Brooklyn life, your dreams are never going to come true unless you be with me and I can give you all these crazy yeah, things. Yeah. And he also uh, reveals the last of his superpowers, the ability of flight. Yes, he does fly at that point, which I feel like her face is like, oh, yeah, yeah. I think I'm kind of into this now, yeah, now yeah, that yeah. I see the flight. Uh, so Justice has to stop her from feeding. If she feeds, then she's gone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, before he has to get to her before she feeds for the first time. So he goes back to the club, Dr. Zako, I think, and mm-hmm. uh, and learns all this stuff from him. It's this big exposition dump. He, <laughs> you know, unsheaths his cane and it happens to be a blade, so yep. he gives him that. Uh, What's up, motherfuckers? Whistler snipes here. <laughs> so, uh, so then it cuts back to uh, Max and Rita in Central Park, I think, or, or some sort of park, maybe a Brooklyn mm-hmm. Park. Who knows? Yeah. Um, where they uh, Central Brooklyn this, Park, I think it's called. They, they capture this white woman who is walking a poodle yeah. and uh, is blonde and just very, um, you know, sort of ditzy. And yeah. she's like, I, I understand the Negro people, leave me alone, kind of thing. It's just like the worst uh, uh, depiction yeah. of a, a dumbass white person that you can think of. Right. Um, they, I think, she's perhaps a Trump. We don't know for sure. Oh, it's possible. Very possible. Wait for the credits eddie murphy uh eats her or uh, you know starts feeding on her and tries mm-hmm. to convince uh rita to do the same but she has you know she's having all this inner uh turmoil this conflict um there's a super dramatic church scene where she runs to church to uh i don't know get back on the right path and and you know try to uh expunge his um his temptation from her she like throws open the door and they the whole thing is just bathed in light that pours out it's like at the end of et or something mm-hmm. and then there's like thunder the bells are going off it's, it's yeah. just this insane like the the movie really just sort of ramps up in its ridiculousness right. as it goes on uh, the makeup gets more and more ridiculous um eddie murphy looks like a character from the mask by the end of it because yep. his you know, hey, he, yeah that's pretty accurate his Maximilian uh, uh, persona is normal Eddie Murphy, but with this crazy curly wig mm-hmm. that he uh, apparently hated so much uh, when he was making this movie. I think he he blamed the wig for, uh, let's see. So in an interview with Rolling Stone in 2011, Eddie Murphy says that the reason that Vampire in Brooklyn was a failure was, quote, the only way I was able to do Nutty Professor and get out of my Paramount deal, I had to do Vampire in Brooklyn. But you know what ruined that movie? The wig. I walked out in that long-haired wig, and people said, oh, get the fuck out of here. What the hell is this? <laughs> so he thinks that the wig is the only reason yeah. this movie. Well, uh, I mean, he, uh, you know, he knows his stuff. Yeah. So He knows uh, how to make good choices, I want to say. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, not in this one. So, um... <laughs> Yeah, there's this whole confrontation in the apartment uh, where, you know, it's back and forth, back and forth. Julius is there. He loses an eye at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is just falling apart. Yeah, right before this, I think you mentioned the scene where he loses the arm. Right. He's, like, scrubbing the limo that he's acquired that he drives Eddie Murphy around in. Hilarious scene. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a – basically um, Rita stabs him in the chest and, and has her sort of moment of clarity where she's just about to – feed on justice i think and Mm -hmm. she ends up turning against max uh and stabbing him and he falls backwards into his coffin and like liquid smoke liquid fog starts coming out of it and uh you know the place starts shaking they sort of take off um and then a bat flies out of the window so i was like oh did he not die is he is he around are they like setting up a sequel yeah yeah yeah. And then later on, after uh, after Justice and Rita, uh, you know, declare their love for each other, and and you know they've been through this horrific event, and now they they kiss and make up, and everything's great. Right. Uh, we see that Julius becomes the new vampire in Brooklyn <laughs> um, because he uh, I don't know I don't know why I guess he just graduated from ghoul to to master vampire, uh, and he is no longer decomposing. He's like you know dressed in slick clothes and everything and uh yeah he's like good to go he's ready so uh the movie ends with him being like i'm the new vampire in brooklyn and and silas is now his new limo driver uh-huh. and 
they drive off into the sunset. So I don't know if they really were setting up for uh, Julius Jones as the the <laughs> new vampire in Brooklyn too, uh, or what the hell they were thinking. Another with, vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking with a lot of aspects of this movie, but that is the basic plot. Uh, whew, man, yeah, I don't. I just. Uh, this is a this is a bad movie, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, it's it's entertaining if you're looking for something kitschy, but other than that, it's uh, it's definitely cheese ball. Probably, let's see, of all the vampire movies that exist, it's probably in the top fifty, maybe to watch. I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, maybe to watch is as far as like being entertained because it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could I could see that. Yeah, um, yeah, why not? So. It definitely yeah. doesn't beat uh, that like 1921 version with Nosferatu. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely we better were, than this. So we were, you know, uh, we just we decided on this movie or the uh, the not just pneumatic movie tube decided mm-hmm. on this movie for us because it's Halloween and right. it's October. Halloween is approaching. I was thinking, okay, Vampire in Brooklyn. I've never seen this. This sounds like it could be uh, an appropriately scary movie to yeah. celebrate October. Right. Uh, it was not, nope. as far as I'm concerned. And uh, this is not, not a movie that that I would say that people should watch. Okay. <laughs> I can't really recommend this one to anyone uh, unless maybe you're drunk and you have like a big party or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you have a Halloween party, you could throw it on in the background. That would be kind of cool. I okay. guess the, yeah. the production design, like, you know, um, a lot of the exterior stuff, like I mentioned, was just shot on the, the Paramount backlot, but um, some of the production design otherwise was fine. It was like, you know, entertaining enough. It looked like they put some, <laughs> put some decent work into it and, uh, when Eddie Murphy decided to show up and, and uh, come out of his trailer, then he uh, he did his thing. It was just not the not the Eddie Murphy thing that he's known for doing. So uh, if you want to see a movie where you think Eddie Murphy should be funny, but he just absolutely refuses to drop any jokes, then uh, this is the one for you, I think. So yeah. um, that's all I really one of the things I wanted to yeah one of the thing I wanted to mention was a uh, a stunt woman named Sonia Davis died on the set of this movie. Oh wow! Um, and it was horrible because her mom and two of her siblings, I think, were uh, were there on the set oh, watching her perform, and she fell from a rooftop. Like oh, they no. set up this big um, airbag thing, and she was I think she was uh, Angela um, uh, Bassett's stump, stunt double, and she fell. She was like hanging off a, a bridge or a rooftop or something like that, and she uh, she was supposed to just jump back onto this. Um, this big, uh, what is what are the things called? Air, um, what are they called in your car uh, that comes? Airbags? Yeah, like an airbag, I guess is the is the technical term. Uh, they set one up, and I guess she pushed too far back off of the, like pushed too hard off of the wall, mm-hmm. and basically missed the the oh, airbag. Wow. So yeah, really um, horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. And then you know there are not too many movies where. Uh, um, where people have died in, you know, making, making the films. Uh, so, uh, that, that's a pretty small list and it's an unfortunate one for, um, vampire in Brooklyn to be on for sure. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's that movie. So, uh, I guess we should, I guess we should rev up the old, not just pneumatic movie too, which is the, uh, the fun new way that we find out what movie we're going to be watching next month. So I have a, um, a direct line into across the uh, the Los Angeles uh, county line into the city proper of Hollywood, mm-hmm. and uh, I just push this button right here on the wall, Tyler, and uh, a, like a bank tube style thing comes up, mm-hmm. and it just has a piece of paper in it that has a name of a movie on it, and that's what we're gonna watch next week. So let's go ahead and push that button. All right, looks like the November Man. Oh, what? I see. This new movie, uh, not just pneumatic movie tube, is uh, is getting clever here. Yeah. Uh, wow. The November Man for the month of November. Awesome. Uh, this is the Pierce Brosnan movie that mm-hmm. came out in uh, what 2014, a spy thriller. Sure. So, wondering yeah. if it came out in November. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So we're gonna we're gonna check that one out. Uh, it is on Netflix uh, as of this recording. I'm not sure if it's actually gonna be on Netflix <laughs> by the time you guys are listening to this, but hopefully it is. So we'll you can see. Listen. We'll see. I'm sure most people have this on DVD. So yeah, that's a really uh, bad assumption to make there. Tyler. <laughs> um, what do you think the uh, Twitter poll should oh, be? The NJNM one v one. Yes, hashtag NJNM one v one. What do yeah, you think the Twitter uh, poll for this month? What's What's the best Halloween costume? 
uh, Gary Busey as Dracula or uh, Professor Sherman Klump as a werewolf. Ooh. Yeah. I like it. Best Halloween costume. So what best? What would be the Halloween costume you would choose? Gary yeah. Busey as Dracula or Sherman Klump as a werewolf? Yeah, so you can vote in the poll at uh, at NJNM Podcast on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Find it there, and then feel free to you know write out long responses. You can yep. email those to us at notjustnewmovies at gmail dot com. You yep. can call and leave us a voicemail with your reasoning behind your choice at nine zero four four six nine six five six six. You can write multiple tweets on Twitter and just make sure to hashtag those <laughs> hashtag NJNM one v one and explain yourself, and that'd be great. Yeah, we'll read all those sort of responses oh, and yeah. stuff. On- um so uh tyler why don't we talk about where people can track us down online how about you oh, yeah where can oh, you, find... can, you can find me over on the five cast podcast uh find it at podtyrant.com and you can find me on twitter at the five cast that's the number five cast and uh yeah you know that's that's about it that's the plug i do on this show the five cast podcast the other podcast okay. we do great uh so yeah you can find me on geektyrant.com writing almost every day uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears, and you can uh, subscribe to this show on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter, like I said, at NJNM Podcast. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. I'm looking at the uh, our inbox right now. Because we are banking so many episodes early, Tyler, mm-hmm. we have not had a chance to get through the onslaught of listener yeah, yeah, emails yeah. that we oh, have it's received. It's going to be an av- avalanche. I'm, I'm assuming that they're coming soon. Avalanche. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm banking on you listeners to uh, actually live up to the hype that we're we're uh, bestowing oh, yeah. on you right now. So shoot us emails, <laughs> let us know everything about anything, and we'll uh, we'll read it on the air. And uh, hell yeah, we I, will. I think music for this episode is going to come courtesy of UB40's cover of Stevie Wonder Ugh. Superstition. Might Please as well, no. Might as well do that uh, because I couldn't really find any good score for Superstition. Vampire. Uh, so I think I think with that, Tyler, that's pretty much going to bring us to the end of this month's episode. Do you have any uh, final thoughts on Vampire in Brooklyn or anything that? Just, uh... Yeah, just don't go to Brooklyn, uh, and you should be fine. Okay, that sounds like good <laughs> you'll never, advice. You'll never be threatened by vampires. I'm assuming if you never go to Brooklyn. Yeah, it seems like the only place yeah. that they are, uh, <laughs> at least according to Hollywood in 1995. So uh, thanks very much for listening, you guys, and uh, we will see you next month. This show is part of the Pod Tyrant Network. For more podcasts, interviews, and content, visit podtyrant.com.